Hi, uh, there's a content warning in this episode. We do talk about a serious sexual assault between 3150 and 3342. Hello, welcome to We Go and Talk About the Weather, political discussion. That too, the uninitiated may just sound like screaming and crying. And screaming and, and whining. And the dog. Oh, God, the dog wouldn't stop. Uh, screaming, crying, and whining today mm. is uh, Hugh. Hello. And myself. Episode 51. Mm-hmm. We're almost up to that technically a year, even yeah, though it's been way more than a year. We've been doing it just over a year now, because yeah. it was in February. God. Yeah, we just streamed right past it. Yeah. It's just... Time should, has no meaning when you're old. <laughs> yeah, another or year when you're is sleep just deprived. Another year is just another year, yeah. and it's the only game in town. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've got quite a lot of stuff this week. Mm. Um, quite a lot of stuff. Happening yeah, this week. let's um, start with Enoch Powell. You may remember him from such, such speeches as "The Rivers of Blood," <laughs> the fourteen words, <laughs> and the fourteen words, and "Black Man Has the Whip Hand Over the White Man," and. Tiber foaming with much blood, <laughs> all that stuff. You may have noticed this from, you know, some history documentaries that you may or have watched. Or on Stormfront. Or, uh, I feel like Stormfront would kind of go beyond because he's always been kind of a just right of, how do I put this? Just right of mainstream extreme. He was just you right know? of mainstream extreme, but now it seems that he's fully... He's fully mainstream. Yeah. So this past week, uh, the BBC proposed that they would be airing the Rivers of Blood speech in full Red on Radio 4. Read by the Emperor yes. from Star Wars, who previously said Enoch Powell wasn't a racist. Is that what the, the actor said that? Oh, yeah. There's an interview from a couple of years ago that saying Enoch Powell wasn't wrong. or You know the way that they couch... they. They always say uh, Enoch Powell wasn't a racist, Enoch mm. Powell was, uh, wasn't was wrong, or Enoch Powell had a point, and they never develop it on from there. Yeah, Interesting, they just, they because... Just drop that bombshell and leave. <laughs> um, to including uh, people like Tony Blair. Yeah. <laughs> when he died, he died in like 98, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, Tony Blair led the eulogies. The, all the Tories wanted to fucking like rename a chamber after him. Of course they did. Fucking mad. Um... Yeah, there was something I found. It was uh, D- Dennis Healy said uh, he was extreme nationalist, but not a racist. And uh, another man said uh, he inspired racialists, but was not a racialist himself. That man, Tony Benn. <laughs> really? Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but you know, they're always nice about their own. Mm. In it, mm. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what he was like outside. He was an MP, so he was one of the club. Yeah. You know. It's. Oh. Um. So there was obviously a lot of people kind of disagreeing with this. The, the Amal Rajan, the BBC uh, presenter who was going to be presenting the programme with experts to interject and presumably said, uh, this is wrong because it's out of date, not it's wrong because Actually, no, it's morally were, uh, wrong. One of the things is they were encouraged to talk about the lyrical flourishes, um, just his, you know, generally his amazing use of language, how good a speech it is. It's not a good speech, it's a shit speech. It's just, you know, when you're doing a rabble-rousing racist speech in front of a bunch of racists <laughs> in a hotel bar in Birmingham, yeah, they cheer. <laughs> Well, it's not the first time he... Apparently, it's not the first time he gave that speech either. No, he kept sure. giving it and giving it until it eventually landed, which was in... in happened to be in Birmingham in, mm. in 68. Mm. Um, yeah, it's been one of those markers since, um, since 1968. It's definitely one of those pieces of British political and kind of social history where yeah. it's the line in the sand, mm. right? 
people won't stop talking like people will stop talking to you if you have a load of Nazi memorabilia right yeah. that's that particular line of the sand if you like or try to justify or defend the Enoch Powell speech you're not entirely chucked out but no. you are, you do like lay your like you do pin your flag up do you yeah. know what I mean it's like the right wing equivalent of virtue signaling yeah it's, well, it's like it's saying that if you, people, the kind of people who talk about you know talk about that specific speech and talk about how Enoch Powell is, wasn't that bad a man yeah chances are they're significantly more racist than they're letting on <laughs> um yeah, it's he was he was a top capitalist as well, very very enthusiastic about proper free market capitalism in a time when um that wasn't the like a planned economy was pretty much cross party consensus. Mm. Um this kind of enthusiasm for free market economics never stopped him from serving in a government. Yeah. Uh and you know doing things like when he was minister of health touring uh the West Indies to look for recruits for to staff up the NHS. Yeah. Um, and even like how he had tirades against racialism earlier. Racialism, such I hate a, that word. it's such a it's a proper old fashioned word. I, I, they think that it somehow distinguishes it from racism. Is there a difference? I always thought the difference between racialism, the word, and racism is was, what is said by someone in a white linen suit sitting on a rocking chair. No, racism is more a linguistic thing. So it's like you say you're you're not a you're not a racist because that kind of takes in. Things you might have said in jest or in error. Okay. Whereas a, a racialist is someone who, down to their core, believes that there are differences between the race, between different racists. Do you know what I mean? A racist, Maybe it's a, a, racist a hangover. Some, a racist is someone who says, uh, says a racist joke at a pub, whereas a racialist has a set of calipers. Yeah, a racialist is somebody who, who has an a, a underlying like scientific or moral kind of thing. Racism may be more cultural. Hmm. Like they would spin it off and say, "Oh, they're just not like us, are they?" No, I think I'm going to say you know that kind of thing. I think they're pretty much the same thing. Okay. One, it's the hand in glove. Is it again, or is it again like the difference between Farage and Tommy Robinson of just wearing a suit? Hmm. No, I, I think it's an age thing as well. Obviously, ra- like Hitler was a racialist in the parlance of the times. Hmm. He wasn't a racist. He was a racialist. Uh, more like. It seems like a I lot, suppose it's like, like the different. Maybe it seems the different like the kind of pedantics that only fucking racists would be going yeah, on absolutely. about to explain why. No, actually, I'm not as bad as those ones. <laughs> the difference between like the like the paternalist slave owner and the scientific racist, maybe. That's yeah. maybe as good as you, you're going to get with that. I think okay. it ultimately doesn't mean a thing. Mm. Um, yeah, he's got this. Lo- he had this love for for capitalism. He had. He said things like. Um, Often when I'm kneeling down in church, I think to myself how much we should thank God, the Holy Ghost, for the gift of capitalism. He's got a really like... At what point did he say? Because he was in like the Labour Party. The, he was in a lot no, of... Like, no, he around parties? No, no, you're thinking of um, Mosley. Oh shit, yeah. Mosley was a Labour MP and then moved yeah. to the... Cons- or maybe started as a Conservative and moved to I the Labour Party the and then the founded British. the British Union of Fascists. Um, Enoch Powell was a... He's not, he was a lower middle class... Um, was born lower middle class. He's like son of a headmaster. Mm. Um, moved around, the, went into the army, moved around the empire, um, fought in World War II. Um, they always mention his um, classical education as well, because of course he made like an allusion to the. I see the mouth of the Tiber foaming yeah. with much blood, which is like a. I think it's a Aeneid, the Aeneid, um, a line from the Aeneid, and like as if it's that traditional deference. That a certain class of British like what party was he? Was person, a Tory, uh, he was a Tory all the way. Okay. Yeah, 
Tory all the way. How the fuck is Tony Benn protecting him? That fucking dickhead. Yeah, I know. Um, they get my thing with them like this. It's just you know, fucking labour pie. <laughs> fucking like it's like it, it doesn't take much for me to like go full blown Geordie towards the end of our friends in the north, just muttering to myself, labour pie. <laughs> um, so he was a proper. He was um. He really kind of embodied probably more after the speech and maybe more after his kind of sack. He was sacked yeah. for the speech. Um, and he maybe embodied the Tory right more after his sacking than he did before. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that kind of Thatcherite, very like hard right, neoliberal, kind of racialized hmm. um, section of the Tory party. Um, he really, he really embodied that, um, even though he was kind of a complete irrelevance after you know the seventies. Yeah. Um, he used to say things like, yeah, the, the par- uh, Parliament was the historical embodiment of British history and national values. Uh, human rights were a fiction. They were a mere abstraction, lacking the meaning and substance of rights developed within a national community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that human rights would challenge the sovereignty of nation states. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rivers of Blood speech itself was made uh, during the uh, debates over the Racial Relations Act, which was uh, an act that was going to bar discrimination in housing and services. Interesting that they're not celebrating that, the BBC. No. Um, controversy raged in the cabinet at the time over the then Home Secretary Jim Callaghan's plans for a new immigration law targeting East African Asians with British passports. Callaghan made no attempt to conceal the discriminatory nature of the bill and argued two months before Powell's speech that the increased flow of Asians migrants was continuing and might become a flood. The influx was more than we could absorb and unless it was greatly reduced, efforts to recreate a multiracial society would fail. Pressure to abandon the main principle of the Race Relations Bill, outlawing discrimination, was also resisted, but Callaghan insisted on excluding the, excluding the police from its provisions. Does any of this sound familiar or relevant <laughs> to 2018? Well, it was that, that's the thing that was happening a lot with regards to the BBC doing this speech, mm. of people, of, of a very specific type of person, a specific kind of liberal person, saying, yeah. oh, look how far we've come since the Rivers of Blood speech. And all I could think, like the first one, I, the first thing I thought about is, yeah, we have come a long way because the BBC never would have fucking published it <laughs> fifty years ago. They never would have put it on the very fucking radio or TV, would they? They wouldn't have done that. But they'll do it now. But they'll have like a fucking shred of fucking irony. Other than the kind of blanket, it's of, of historical relevance. And like, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, like. Everything's of historical relevance. Yeah. There are a shitload of speeches from that time. There are a shitload of political acts, um, most of which the BBC have archive footage of, mm. um, that are just important, just mm. as important as that, and, and less inflammatory mm. and less, particularly at this particular historical moment, are less fucking badly timed. Well, yeah, so, uh, Why did they do it? The thing I was saying before, like um, Channel 4, in an attempt to be more edgy than them, is going to do a full reading of the 14 words, <laughs> stopping between each word to talk about how brilliant that word is. It's a two-week programme. It's going to be like a party <laughs> political broadcast. Tune yeah. in tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> With a historian on. <laughs> <laughs> One specific, David Starkey. Yeah. <laughs> Defending it. Hey, 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 now that's not fair. Like they did in the 80s, they're going to get um, someone else to put his voice to detra- detract credence from his statements. <laughs> they get him to inhale a helium balloon. <laughs> I can only think of like two reasons, right? Mm. Now, we've heard a lot about the BBC's kind of bias or their kind of uh, conservative bias over the last few weeks. And it's definitely there. They've got a lot of old school Tories um, in their production staff and Mm -hmm. in their presenting staff. Yeah. Um, 
That, that is a particular reason. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, pundit, I forgot. Yeah, a football pundit is just as powerful as the head of all politics at the BBC. <laughs> like the, there's only two reasons, and I think it's both their liberal elitism and their kind of undercurrent of conservatism, hmm. of Toryism. One, it's a backpatting exercise in kind of look how far we've come. Look yeah. how crazy this sounds. Yeah. Of course. If they ever looked up for a minute, they would notice all of the subtle little um, anti-multiculturalism at like rivers of blood elements that fucking Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yeah, you hear it all the time on Boris Johnson have been putting into their speeches for years. Yeah, you see all the time of um, people saying things like, "Oh, I thought racism was gone. I thought mm. that was dealt with in the nineties. And that that's a that I could see that as one of the reasons they put it on because mm. they don't see any racism because it's hard to see racism when you work at the BBC you're white and the only time you're not at work is going to your house in Chiswick or going mm. to that um, off-licence to buy bottles of wine every 40 minutes to dull the pain of being a lived ever. Um. <laughs> the only other reason I can think is the kind of more an openly political one would be that they're trying to widen the scope mm. of the like, legitimate concerns crowd. So up till now, the narrative has been legitimate concerns because uh, it is when they're talking to real, in quotes, real people. Mm. So they t- they go to a doorstep in Harrogate mm. and they talk to somebody and they put their own words in their mouth and say yep. they have legitimate concerns. Now, the structure of Britain and Britain's class um, class system means that there's always an element with like working class people and like lower middle class people that they kind of don't get the same kind of purchase, cultural purchase, right? No. They, they're not to be listened... They're to be listened to only up to a certain point, mm. right? By kind of opening this up again mm. and putting, like, re- the respected academic mm. onto it, it just allows people... They, they think they're opening up a debate and they're opening up the ability of people to use those words again, mm. to think of, like, well, you see all these stabbings in London... River of blood, literally, and it's like, no, that's not what it is. No, that's not what it is. It's, and I mean, like, it's it's literally what Enoch Powell was trying to do. He was trying to insert himself as a like the rivers of blood speech was most of it is saying I've heard from my constituents Mm. when they've had shit put through their letterbox by I think his words were like uh, charming wide wide mouthed piccaninnies. Um, he uses oh, yeah. that. Can you name a, can you name a yeah. current senior politician? Obviously, word? a word that is completely out of bounds in today's political discourse. By today, I mean literally today, Tuesday. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, it's such, oh, I saw that figure <laughs> Boris Johnson say that. The only person I know who's ever said that word yeah. is my grandmother who's been dead for a very long time. <laughs> I've uh, never heard that word used in like straight speech, like in. in like I've never heard the word used. No, no, it's it's, it's one of it's there's like a there's a bunch of like specifically like old empire yeah. racist language, which language. is which is what he was. He was a big empire guy. Like Enoch yeah. you know, Powell was a big empire guy, and like I said, he was verbalizing complaints that were part of his ideology, mm. but that he transformed by acting as a conduit between yeah. elite opinion 
and the the unapproachable metropolitan oh, yeah. elite some, and the the some ro- idiot who work in, works in a bakery and the route you'd, yeah you'd have to put your flourishes you have to say things like the Tiber phone mm. with blood and all that kind of the black man will hold the whip hand over the white man that kind of crap yeah because you know you're um the your worker at proto Greg's yeah <laughs> trying to imagine like free makers that was an old yeah. bakery <laughs> and you're thinking of like people who like my partner is second generation uh, East African Asian mm. And it's a watershed for her as well, as we've talked it about it being a line in the sand for like white people. It's a line in the sand for them because mm. it's fucking chilling. What? It's, I it's oh yeah, thing. that stuff's coming back. Good. That stuff my granddad told me about. Because your, your partner, her family came over from Kenya the same time my mum's family came over from yes. Kenya. Yes. And I got a sneaking suspicion that <laughs> the reading of the Enoch Powell speech is received very differently <laughs> by yeah. her family and my mum's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, significantly differently. I mean, I it's, hope. It's, it, oh, it's just that thing of like when you, you, I've heard, you know, you've heard people say like, oh, yeah, but it's not as racist now. It's like, it is. It really is. Mm. It's just under the surface. And this stuff coming now, which. The only other reason I can think as well, maybe a a kind of 2B, is uh, the free speech people have got to them. Oh, yeah. Which is the opening up of speech. Finally, we can debate the most important thing in British political history. Oh, yeah, they've talked... Which is the rivers of blood speech. Yeah, people talk about like it's a real massive difference in how everything worked. Mm. The thing is, it is kind of important because in the sense of weaponizing this fake notion of legitimate concerns. Yeah. But that's not something to really celebrate. Mm. Hey everybody, we're 50 years of dog whistle racism. <laughs> there's no mora- no no, there's no morality in politics. It's just an open field <laughs> where everyone screams and it's just so happens that some people have loud voices, some people have foghorns, some people have massive platforms extending <laughs> into the sky, but otherwise a completely open debate. Did Jess Phillips defend it saying like no one should be making politics about this speech <laughs> how dare you I make politics not. about the rivers of blood speech yeah she had that tweet the other day I think it was about one of our topics we're going to talk about later which mm. was um, Syria yeah. where she was saying well, like, she made that speech this is Parliament. a completely non-political decision she said it in Parliament and it's like what are you why she was complaining about people getting politics on a political dis- <laughs> a political decision in Parliament as an MP I hate her so much just for that attitude. It's that attitude of, oh, don't get politics on my politics while I'm politicking. Jess, is something wrong? Is the job not what you crack, what you thought it would be? Is it not all it's cracked up to be? Did you not, do you not want to be a politician? I don't think a lot. Do you not want to make political decisions and, and statements? And It's like, um, fucking side topic, but Dan Hodges today, mm. going on about nukes. Yeah. Going on about uh, no, it was about sorry about Windrush, mm. uh, which is our next topic, um, and he was talking about oh uh, the Windrush migrancy crisis. Um, we should it was a it's a historical mistake. It's an aberration, but we shouldn't allow it to stop us asking ask uh, asking for people's immigration immigration status. And somebody said, um, do you think it was a mistake? Theresa May's been yeah. kind of creating oh, hostile environment policies for what eight years now. Go home vans. And uh he said and the, they mentioned the go home vans and he kind of responded with um oh well I only found out about them a week ago so I don't I can't really comment on it. That's a lie. And it's like 
You're a fucking political journalist. That's All you do is comment on things that happen. That's a lie. Also, the time frame. It's like, oh no, I need at least a week to knock out another one of these Dan Hodges bangers. Well, I've got to take a week to seriously consider the implications of a Home Secretary sending fans around um, multi-ethnic areas saying, go home. I've got, to take a ser- I've got to take a serious hard look at this and work it out. Perhaps the BBC <laughs> could do a performance piece. <laughs> we could get Palpatine to do it. <laughs> well, you could, you know, be put on like Warhorse. we <laughs> <laughs> will be on at the National. We'll run for ages. <laughs> um, we can move on to our next topic, which yeah. we've just alluded to, which is... Um, People born in Caribbean countries who are being deported, who've lived here for a long time, starting yeah. with the kind of the the wind Ones rush. Who never had passports because they never bothered to, because they mistakenly thought they were British because they were told they were. <laughs> um, yeah, that's they, the thing that gets me. It's like, are oh, these rubes <laughs> believing that they're British just because they were told repeatedly that they are? It's a horror. It, it actually really it strikes. This is one that you don't. There's a horrible kind of sickening feeling with this because for years and years you've had different... Like, you still have that kind of, like, racial hierarchy within our kind of um, popular culture. So you, if in an advert, if you see, like, uh, an Afro-Caribbean family, a black family, um, the image of that is integrated into what we would call our multicultural society now. It's been 50 years, but black people are not... As much on on TV and things like that, stereotyped as as like muggers or mm. you know things like yeah. that. Um, you, you are right within popular culture generally in like dramatic works. There still is like a massive problem with that with representation. But but we've moved on. We're now complaining about Muslims. Yeah, do you, you know what I mean? It's more it like you, there's a feeling that like the east like Eastern European mm. as like bogeyman has come up again. Yeah, you know, people like Dexter's. They don't like um, Polsky's lips. Yeah, yeah. Um, Texas. No, you're thinking of Desmond's. Desmond's, that's it. <laughs> Love that show. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> um, and then this like pops off. Mm. Um, people who travelled to Britain maybe as children, maybe on family passports, mm. um, have lived here for kind of fifty years, and with hostile environment policies, which include um, things like ID checks, mm. at, um, hospitals um, for basic social services, things like that, medication, prescriptions, things things of that nature, um, are now being asked to provide ID, which, of course, after 40 years, they mm. don't necessarily have. Um, I've also seen there's fucking horrific stories. Like oh, There's a bloke who's... He's about to be deported tomorrow, I think. Mm-hmm. The, that was what they were talking about on the radio. Yeah. Um, because he was um, going to look after his sick mum. Mm. Um, people going, over, going, back, going back to Jamaica, where they hadn't been for like 30 years yeah. to go look after a parent and then literally being told, no, we're not, you're not coming back. Yeah. Um, it's utterly disgusting. But even, I mean, even as well in, in this country, I was reading something today, mm. um, uh, a woman who was taking her mother, who's about 60, um, to get her proper immig- uh, immigration papers. Um, so yeah, it's before 1971, you had like the Commonwealth passport, which is yeah. what my partner's family um, came in on. Um, I've asked her so many times. It's like your mum and dad are all right, yeah. Hmm. Your your granddad's okay. It's like hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay. no. Well, she's adamant that yeah. they have the full British citizenship papers. Hmm. And I'm like, just just like make sure. I don't fully understand it because I won't have to. Yeah. And that shit. That's fucking terrible. Well, again, 
my mum came back on the on that kind of puzzle. Yeah. And it's not a thing for any of them to worry about. Yeah. Um, sorry, back to the, the story. Um, a woman who'd been in Britain for 40 years, mm. she's about 60 or so now, um, going to get her immigration papers sorted, um, going to the thing saying you need four pieces of immig- uh, ID for every year you've lived in the country. Yeah, that's trouble. Um, going to immigration centres and uh, not having the right paperwork, mm. um, being asked to leave. They had Eventually they'd been there so many times they had a restraining order put against them to not allow them to come to the centre, um, being told that, uh, being sent a letter to say that all of their future um, immigration kind of concerns would be taken care of by, over the phone. Uh, please use the phone number below. There was no phone number below. Like... Just Kafka nightmare. Kafkaesque. And there is no better word for it. That it and this has been designed yeah. now. There's a certain point you can say it's chaotic, like a lot of British social services. If you've ever been in the in the belly of that... Mm. You can definitely tell that there's a, a lot of, of checks that make sense from their side, but maybe you don't see the, the need for it. Oh, yes, I think if, if you're dealing um, with it every day, like it seems simple. When I was, yeah, like yeah. when I was in the NHS, it's just like there's stuff that to, if you're dealing with it every day, it's super simple. And it's like, yeah, what do you mean I have to explain this to you? It's really, really basic. Yeah. But most people come into contact with it once in their lifetime. Yeah. And uh, it's just to make you, it's just to make people feel unpleasant mm. with the idea of ultimately driving non-white people whose immigration status is uncertain and let's face it non-white people whose immigration status they thought was settled mm. um away and making them feel as uncomfortable as possible it's not so you can't be accused of like running a, a an australia kind of mm. an australian kind of system it's yeah, it's so fucking horrific it's like um, the father of i can't remember his name Father of a guy who was in the Olympics, and I think he won gold. Yeah, and um, his dad is is like they, they were trying to they trying to deport him. Fuck. Hell. And it's things it's things like that. It's like I can't think of anything more particularly British, <laughs> actually. Than yes, you can compete for us in our in our sports teams because you know, you guys are just better runners than us. But your dad's gonna have to leave. <laughs> He could not run as fast, therefore <laughs> yeah. he is useless to us. Yeah. That was something I fucking hated as well. When uh, all this was starting to really boil up yesterday mm. and the day before, you had a lot of kind of conservative journalists talking about how um, um, this is this is uh, su- such a mess. Um, the uh, the Nick Timothy tweeted um, the solution lies in formalising their status, not abandoning sensible policies to limit li- illegal immigration. <laughs> This is urgent. They're Brits who've done nothing wrong, yet they're being treated terribly. And he was um, referencing a Tom Tugendhat um, article, uh, basically saying things like, um, while others could use free American money after the war, um, we had to look for help elsewhere. And again, the Commonwealth answered, they enrich us. They built our infrastructure. And it's like, motherfucker, who is this we and us and them? Mm. Like, they were building their own infrastructure because they fucking lived here. Yeah. Like, saying they're part of us, yeah. they are part... Like, that's... Mm. That's insane. That's a proper paternalistic there was, um, there attitude were, to have. There was, um, James O'Brien was talking about it, because he was talking about Theresa May, and he, James O'Brien today, in that proper way that he does, mm. today he came to the realisation that Theresa May might be racist. <laughs> um, and he realised this because after eight years of her being a racist and doing racist things... 
<laughs> suddenly this one is too far. Yeah. But he was talking about like, oh, you know, I thought racism has gone and all this kind of stuff. I thought there was no divide between um, people who, kept, like the Windrush generation and everyone else. It's like, well, you're still calling them that. Yeah. You're still, you've still got a specific word for them. There's, and I mean, uh, this is all of the, like the talk about kind of how West, like West Indian uh, migrants have been to an extent normalized within the, mm. within the culture is not to overlook the fact that this is a specifically racist policy. This, oh, yeah. in its design, in its implementation, it's been designed to separate white, mostly white from non-white. Mm. Um, and, I'm not. I wouldn't get even caught up in the argument of oh, it's just a, a, a an administration thing. Mm. It's just a procedural thing. It's the stuff that has been done to kind of um, like African migrants and 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 Syrian migrants within this particular system is unbelievable. It's not an accident when you can literally point to eight years of them doing. There was a. There was another and longer because this is going back. This yeah, like this this atmosphere that allows anything like this to happen. This goes back through all of labor, through all of New Labour. It goes back fucking ages. There's a, it's just a, it's just an interesting thing that it reaches back to the very start of Britain's multicultural kind of history. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a, there was there were um, like a formalized uh, like, yeah yeah like the the kind of. Um, like a, a mass immigration, if you know what I mean, like yeah. where it was a, a community thing. Yeah. Um, and it's just, in, it's incredible for a couple of reasons. Like, like I say, they're the most like recognizably recognizable symbol of multiculturalism and the things that mm. it has done and how it shaped Britain. At the same time, all of those Caribbean countries are supposed, are the kind of meant to be the Tory like white knights for Brexit. Yeah. They're the Commonwealth countries who we're meant to be reaching out to in order to make Brexit a success. And it's like That's the why first we're thing back the good little workers that worked so hard here before. <laughs> the first thing you fucking do is uh this started because she apparently um the Commonwealth countries uh, the uh Caribbean embassies hmm. wanted to have a talk to the home office at oh, the yeah. upcoming Commonwealth conference. They just refused, mm. then backtracked and didn't refuse, and then said, we only knew about it, we only got your letter, right? It's in the post, <laughs> yeah? Oh, sorry, my phone's not working. This is like the excuses I use to not talk to my mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, oh, my phone, no, oh, my battery's out of charge. Oh, I didn't get... my my. You child making excuses. Yeah, my WhatsApp isn't working. Oh, I don't know what's wrong with it. I'm going to restart my phone. Oh, it's wiped all my messages. Send me your number again. Email me your number, that's it. <laughs> But um, I saw um, George Osborne said this, and yeah. there's a good chance that the man's lying because the man's a liar. But there's enough people who are believing it, and I believe it actually. Mm. Um, that when after the Brexit vote and were, the Conservative cabinet were trying to decide whether to just guarantee the rights of EU citizens, mm. and I know it's different, but actually it goes into the very core of Theresa May's racism. Yeah. There was only one Conservative who didn't want to guarantee it straight away, and that was Theresa May. Mm. And I believe that. I believe that she's a racist scumbag because, you know, I've wa- I watched her be Home Secretary for years. Yeah. And I've seen what she's done since she became Prime It Minister. goes beyond a kind of functional, um, real politic mm. um, kind of attitude towards it of, this will play really well in the sticks. Mm. You know, that goes yeah. into a proper, a- like, I believe there are good people and bad people, and it just so happens that most of the bad people don't speak English. Mm. And as a first a, language. There's also that thing of, like, um, for, like, 
people making excuses for it saying that it's just it's like a fuck up it's an administrative fuck up yeah and it's that thing over and over again of mm. is it incompetence and malevolence and it literally doesn't matter if you're being deported tomorrow yeah um, I, but I, the thing is yeah. when it's been the same things have been happening for eight years it's not incompetence yeah I don't I I, I there's too many horrific stories that verge on torture mm. um, that for it to be thing content warning here uh, I'm going to talk about rape um, there was a Nigerian woman who had sought asylum in Britain um, for because she'd been gang raped by a member of her, uh, by her husband's family mm. in Nigeria and she didn't want to go back because she thought it would kill her um, she was uh, I think she was in Britain for a while and then um, in the middle trying to apply for asylum uh, two men came to the centre she was staying in and uh, insisted she come with them at 2am in the morning. Uh, they took her to Yarl's Wood. They took her to um, what she described as a small room with three men, pressuring her, asking her where she heard the word asylum, um, that she wasn't really at risk. Uh, they asked her to go over the details of the event as it had happened. They asked her, um, they took her away, they kept her in uh, Yarl's Wood, I believe, without um, food or water for hours, brought her back in and tried to, and said, yeah, you're going to get deported. And it's like, no, if I go back, they're going to kill me because, you know. Hmm. I saw um, It's, it's, that's, that's not incompetence. That is specifically designed to put as much pressure on somebody who they don't think is worth anything. And it's It's, um, fucking disgusting. I think it, was, it must have been a Tory um, saying that some victims would relish the opportunity to talk about it. Oh to talk God! About their abuse yeah, because it's like having another. It's like having. It's like it's like having therapy. Perhaps they would like it. It's like having. They, she said, "I can't remember the Conservative minister who said it." But she said it would be like having double therapy. Hmm. This government's fucking done. Like they're they're off in the clouds. That's mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um. I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens now with the Windrush stuff because I reckon there's so much anger and they're mm. jumping straight to the it was an administrative fuck-up Yeah, I think they're going to roll back on all of it. Yeah. Yeah, assuming that um, it, a lot of FBPE people FUBPs were kind of... Were called, yeah, FUBPs were like this, trying to shoehorn their particular um, obsession into this and it's like yeah. uh, oh well clearly the government are too incompetent so clearly they're too incompetent to do Brexit mm-hmm. and it's like this is not the time mm-hmm. this is not the fucking time assuming that the government as well doesn't want to brutalise immigrants when that's all they've been doing yeah and especially seeing as a lot of the fuppies are like big time you know Lib Demers yeah and it's like oh no can't imagine like a government that we'd support doing anything like this <laughs> They have like I saw a fucking Lib Dem parliament a party political broadcast before mm. you turned up, and just the gall of Vince Cable to pretend that he wasn't a senior member of the cabinet for five years. Yeah, their whole like if I could turn back time, mm. if I could find a way. <laughs> Stop, God, I hate that. I hate it all so much. Um, did you see the? Um, I think you sent it to me as well. The um, advice for deportees for oh, going back to Jamaica. Put on a Jamaican accent. Yeah. So they give a pamphlet to people who've been... Um, apparently it is people who've also moved back there voluntarily. Um, 
uh, people who are staying there again to look after relatives or, mm. or things like that um but uh yeah so the advice like in a little pamphlet called coming home to jamaica travel where possible in the dark if you are going somewhere unfamiliar ask someone to meet you on arrival who's traveling in the dark <laughs> try to be jamaican Use local accents and dialect. Overseas accent can attract unwanted attention. In this place you're living, your new home. <laughs> For a lot of these people, this is their new home. Yeah. Um, try to find lodgings in areas that are safe. This is the advice that you give to someone on the streets. Yeah. When there's no room for them at a hostel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, don't accept lifts or befriend people you don't know. <laughs> the home office telling them about stranger danger. And the most depressing bit, um, there's a whole mental health section oh. of uh, when you return, you may face a number of challenges such as separation from family, friends, personal possessions and property, problems locating family members and friends, and difficulty in finding safe and suitable housing. It then goes on to list the symptoms of depression. Because, you know, when you're deport- forcibly deported from the country sad. you've lived in all your life, you might be a bit down. Yeah. It's It's... Like, it can't be... This can't happen... Ah! Yeah. It can't be like this. This can't fucking happen. But it's exactly the same as my experience with Brexit. Right. I can't even pretend to go on anymore. <laughs> it's just... I, I hate them. <laughs> just, I hate them so... Opportunity. Under Brexit, I feel like a deportee in my own country. Oh, Jeremy Corbyn's made me feel like a deportee <laughs> of the Labour Party. I feel like a political deportee. I'll be surprised if someone hasn't said that yet. Mm-hmm. Nick Cohen. Look at you. (laughs) Although he's probably going to be quite quiet for the next couple of days because he's going to be doing that run. Oh, is he running? He always does. And it's going to be a particularly hot one this weekend, so hopefully he's going to die. You can't run, Nick. (laughs) The disease is inside of you. (laughs) Doesn't matter how fast you run. It's always going to be inside of you. Looking at you in the mirror. He has the shamble of an, an aged alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> he really does, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so on to our even bigger topic this week. As if that wasn't fucking enough. Yeah. Um, we're back in the empire building business again. Yeah. <laughs> the empire protecting business. Mm. I don't know what you would call it. Um, Theresa May snuck out uh, a press conference around 2am on, I think it was Saturday. When she was in the Gold um, Coast, she was in Australia. Oh, was she really? I think she was in Australia. She <laughs> no. might have been in Australia. I don't know. Um, but yeah, she did a, like, a late night while she was getting a pack of crisps from the from the cupboard and while she was like eating butter straight out of the tub like I do in the middle of the night. Um, she was like, oh yeah, by the way. <laughs> like turning as if the camera, like didn't notice the camera was there. Oh, hi, I didn't realise you were there. By the way, we fired some missiles. <laughs> a series of airstrikes on... Um, the Assad government's chemical weapons uh, facilities. Um, I don't believe Selection any... of buildings just south of Damascus. <laughs> yes. That now have been taken over by other people. Yeah. ISIS happened to uh, have an offensive at the same time. Yeah. Weird. Strange that. Um, it's just this depressing regularity. I mean, we did... I remember one of our earlier episodes, we talked about the... Uh, we talked about going into Syria. Mm. And it's just talking about the same thing again. Mm-hmm. Um this depressing kind of regularity we're zoned in on an incident that justifies keeping the massive armed forces. It was much more of a, a ritual act this time. There's no, there's no sense that they're going to go further than airstrikes. This round of airstrikes, they have talked about it. Um, There's some theories that 
she was waiting for Trump to make a decision, so it could seem like a kind of coalition of the willing kind of thing. Um, the thing that got me is who fucking convinced Trump? I sent you that fucking thing. Mm. Emmanuel Macron. God. Because what could make that man more lovable to obnoxious central London liberal he's, twat? He is, it's that he's pro-war. He's fucking unbelievable. I would never have thought. Like, you were prepared for him to become, at most, another Blair. Hmm. You know, he would go slowly mad during his time in power. <laughs> It has been, what, a year? Six months? Mm, Nine months? About a year, year, right? And he's compared himself to Louis XV. He's (laughs) talked about heightening the link between um, uh, the church and state again. The Catholic Church and the French state. Lamenting the um, the French Revolution. (laughs) Lamenting the French Revolution. Talking to Mohammed bin Salman and saying that... You are the you are the maid of the stuff of the French Revolution. He's gone properly mad with power, and it's yeah. been barely a year. Mm. He is blaring hard time. It's okay. Syria. Who was who was okay? Who did Syria belong to? Okay. Um, after the collapse of the Ottoman Empire, the uh, former kind of lands of the uh, the below Turkey, um, the lands were divided between Britain and France. Syria was under the French mandate. Aha. So yes. now we've got another Libya situation. Yes, so this is very French, similar. Very much, no, we're not going to go into Afghanistan or Iraq. That's disgusting. We've got no pottery there. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas we have some really fantastic, fantastic ivory handle cutlery in Damascus. <laughs> I'd very much like that. <laughs> Seriously, you should come to the Paris Museum of Art. It's, uh, it's incredible. The Paris, the Paris Museum of Art. You know, the famous Art Museum of Paris. <laughs> Can't think of a particular name. It's just the Paris Museum of Art. Come to Chez Paris, House of Art. <laughs> Comes out, come to the Musée de Paintings. Um, but yeah, so um, the, uh, Donald Trump was like, he was going, like, we're so, going to do it. So do he's, it. He, was announced, he was like, oh, that was a thing as well. Because he'd said before, like when Obama was in charge, that he wouldn't announce it. He'd just do it in secret. Because <laughs> he wouldn't warn them on Twitter. Well, no, he's doing, uh, like, Trump is going to Trump. He's going to do his thing. He's um, he spent most of the last month talking about how he wants to reduce the number of US troops mm-hmm. in Syria. There are about 2,000 there at the moment. They've been bombing um, and attacking like ISIS and ISIL and all of that. Um, he wants to take troops out mm. and then at exactly the same time talk about escalating a bombing campaign. But Strange after Mohammed bin Salman has had like a, a lovely speaking tour with all the leaders... Yeah, it's weird how they all kind of aligned as one. It's very difficult to get yeah. them in a room. Yeah. Do you see that amazing video of John Woodcock at the um, the like if it, it's in Saudi Arabia? You know, like the Minority Report Temple of Anti-Terror. Oh yeah, and yeah. they did like a video of like John Woodcock going around it. It's like, how is? Why do people talk to him? The MP for Barrow and Furness. How did he get to this point of being the MP for Barrow and Furness and Riyadh South? Uh, he's, How did he do it? He's associated with um, a company called it's Bosphorus, the Bosphorus Corporation, something like that. I love which is the basically, of it's basically so much. Erdogan's like think tank. Yeah, I know he loves. So, like, which he is loves then Turkey. associated. He's mainly a Turkey guy. Yeah, but he's also a Saudi yeah. guy because he's also BAE. Saudi. Yeah. He's got that that whole link, yeah. you know. He, kno- like- he knows what side is uh, AK forty seven is buttered on. Why you yeah. would put butter on an AK forty seven? I don't know. Well, I'm not especially in the desert. I'm not an expert, like um, like Woodcock. John Woodcock. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Woodcock. Um, but yeah, I saw that. that was... But yeah, so so 
we attacked some chemical things because they they crossed the red line of using yeah. chemical weapons. Um, like they've done quite a lot. Um, um, well, I mean, the thing is that you get into the nitty gritty of it, and obviously, like if you stare too long into the Syrian conflict, mm. you do kind of end up going mad, yeah. as you do with a lot of civil wars. Um, yep. It is complex. It's not enough to reduce it to Sunni versus Shia. No. It's not enough to introduce it to to reduce it to individual kind of ethnic groups or, or sub ethnic groups within Syria. Mm. It has some bearing on it, but. You couldn't hope to. You'd need a whole series of podcasts to explain Syria, and from someone a lot more fucking like Syrian. knowledgeable, Syrian for and some. knowledgeable. Well, no, I, I think you could be knowledgeable about it without being Syrian, but yeah. you know, whatever. All it's not going to be us, no. right? But let me get on. Let me let me listen. I'm white, aged eighteen to thirty-four. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, there is a there's a kind of weird thing where the the civil war has been kind of um, like coming to a, a halt. Mm. They're talking about um, kind of ceasefires and, and treaties up until recently. Um, uh, there's there's a significant there's a there seems to be quite a strong body of opinion that isn't sure whether it's a sad um, because at this point he's won. Mm. Um, he doesn't need to use chemical weapons anymore. Mm. Um, the Syrian opposition are also on record as having used chemical weapons. So there is significant doubt as to the actual events. Mm. Of course, we won't know that because the coalition bombed all of the chemical weapon like, sites two days before the OCPW was meant to go in. Yeah, and now they're not allowed to look at the rubble. And uh, I, I believe they have gone in and looked oh. at the rubble. <laughs> Just look at it like, hmm, yeah. this is a brick. Yeah. It smells funny. Yeah. But that might have been from the rockets that we used. <laughs> um, and they were making connections with, because um, they were talking about Russia, making mm-hmm. connections with the figgy, the um, scribbles. Did you fucking hear Theresa May, not once, but tw- not twice, but many, many times, talk about how Russia did the chemical weapons? Did the, like, the yeah. conflation of that is fucking, on, a, on just a, a geopolitical level, fucking reckless. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Unbelievable. Mm. She does not give a shit. She really doesn't. These kind of things, we laugh about them. And, you know, this particular incident was very, very, comparatively very small. Apparently, no one was killed, um, according to the Syrian authorities. I think there were three people injured. Mm. Um, But what did they think the outcome was going to be? You know, what was their... What was their goal? If it's just a kind of reinforcement of their moral authority, I think like the most obvious thing, it's like a ritual act to reinforce the fact that they are the ones who are allowed to do this kind of thing. It's no different to me walking into Lily's bedroom at two in the morning to wake her up just because I can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw Dad Hodges saying, if 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 bombs don't save lives, why do we have bombs? Oh, God. Dad Hodges had quite a good week. Yeah, as far as being Dan Hodges goes, and carrying on being the stupidest man in existence, he is still getting paid. He is either the greatest troll <laughs> in British political history, or he is the stupidest man walking <laughs> the earth. I am surprised he doesn't just walk into fire. <laughs> like at this point, he just doesn't walk into closed doors and things like that because he's op- he is operating on that level. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Um, 
but yeah, this is a, a reinforcement of the fact that it's the the West has the right to intervene. Yeah. Um, they got to do it whenever they want because they won World War Two. Mm. Um, they took the blood oath with Mammon, mm. and uh, you don't you don't skip out on that kind of oath. You you've got to no. keep renewing it. It's like um, throwing away a receipt. No. You know, you're always going to regret throwing away the receipt, yeah. even you if keep, the you keep even that if, laptop box, even though your laptop is like seven years old. Yeah, even like even if the kind of the ink on the receipt it's faded, you're mm. never going to get anything out of it. But don't throw it away. Mm. You know, you don't throw it, leave money on the table. Um, this clearly isn't meant to end the Syrian civil oh, war. In fact, if anything, it's likely to heighten the tensions again. Um, civilian casualties they don't seem to be that. They don't seem to be that fussed. Apparently, civilian casualties from chemical weapons are worth avenging with civilian casualties from high explosives. Yeah. Apparently. Like, that's fine. It, oh, it's just... Because... It's hard, because I'm not in favour of any war, really, apart from Mm-mm. one specific kind of war. Yeah, begins with a C. Yeah. But yeah, so like, I'm pretty anti-war. Um, and I just don't understand... Like this, the reason why they didn't do a vote is I don't. I think they would. I don't think they would have got it. They wouldn't have got it anyway. There's it's it's the risk. She doesn't. She's she's very conservative with yeah. a small C in that she doesn't like to put anything to. I mean, you saw you see it in the way that she deals with Brexit. She doesn't mm. want to put anything to a vote that she doesn't have to mm. because there's a chance she could lose. Yeah, but the thing is, even though our poll, our MPs are pretty much universally bloodthirsty maniacs. Yeah. Like Jess Phillips' speech of like, she didn't put it to a vote, but if she had, I would have voted for it. Yeah. It's like... So no. what are you bitching about? Yeah. Like, what are you um, complaining? Well, that's because, you know, people were making politics about it and complaining. <laughs> um, and so she was complaining about their complaining. Is politics just disagreeing with Jess Phillips? Is that the new definition? I think it is. <laughs> um, but the the approval, the approval rating for doing anything in Syria is so low. Yeah. That it is since the Iraq war, there is no stomach in this country in general for imperialist jaunts. Yeah. No, but, but you can see, you can kind of see what they're edging towards. I mean, there's a, obviously there's uh, the people who did Libya hmm. um, are still in parliament. Hmm. Uh, they're still in control. Um, there's a new French president. There's a new US president who they're looking, like looking at their foreign policy hmm. Um, and what they want to what they want to achieve, and you can see this as kind of a they're edging it back mm. in the same way that after Vietnam, um, the US didn't just I think they kind of tried to like rehabilitate the idea that mm. they had the right to intervene yeah. by you know they actually they bombed Libya <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know invaded Grenada yeah. and things like that. Um, they're slowly getting into the idea, and this was the this in many ways in from their point of view. Um, it's been perfect. It's like, yeah. just let us do this. Look, look, look at what we look at what we've done here. All we've done, right? All we've done is we've pressed a button, right? Some missiles fired. You didn't even see them, mm. and then they crashed onto Damascus. There's no civilian casualties. You didn't see any of it. We just took out the bad chemicals. All we did was take out the bad inert gases, <laughs> right? It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't. Oh. There's nothing. There's nothing to be. There's. It's. It's predictable. It did exactly what we said it was going to do. Um, war doesn't have to be all shredded genitals, smash marketplaces, and you know, isn't it a pity? Liberal headlines. Yeah, you know, that was a thing that made me really furious. Um, fucking pundits on the news talking about the cost 
Mm-hmm. As if cost is literally the only thing that people care about when it comes to murder. It's like, yeah. oh, do you know what? I'd go out right now and I'd start shooting people. But bullets, they're so expensive. It's fucking dumb. The mm-hmm. reason, like, in, in this country that at the moment, quite nicely, we are more anti-war than pro-war, isn't because of how expensive it is. Yeah. If you put that, so the thing is with, I mean, even with Corbyn's response, Corbyn's response has been to try and push the war, a, a new War Powers Act that makes military action dependent on parliamentary approval. Mm. And I get it. I, that's fine. That's mm. where he can manoeuvre with it. Where it does. is right now, he can have a pass. But there is no obstacle that you can put in front of these people. And by these people, I mean the 600 MPs mm. in Parliament. There is no obstacle that you can put in front of them that they will not overcome. Mm. Like making arguments about money um, is kind of accepting, it's accepting a certain austerity logic Mm. about war when that is not the main concern. It's accepting that um, all you need to do is be able to find the money and if you found the money and costed it all right, it would be okay, Mm. which it wouldn't. Mm. Um, And if you put a a democratic, uh, you know, parliament's not that democratic, to be honest, wow. if you put a parliamentary obstacle in it, most of them would vote for it yeah. because it adheres to their particular like political viewpoint. Well, the thing is, I don't think they would have voted for this for this one because I think there's a lot of MPs who feel very un- very uncertain in a time like uh, that's the main thing that's left over now from the yeah. last election is there's a lot of MPs that feel uncertain. Yeah, and so they're not going to piss off their constituents so much that they'll choose to vote for someone else. But I think they voted no, for but I think that there's still. I think if you go beyond that, if you go beyond their immediate political instincts that people on the doorstep won't like it, Mm. the main thing that everybody from the Labour right right through until the most right-wing Tory Mm. has been able to rely on over the past 20 years is the whole like World War II Churchill narrative. It's Mm. what justified Iraq. It's what justified Mm. Libya. It's what justified every liberal, liberal in quote marks, Mm. intervention that has happened. Because the overriding concern of British politics since the Second World War has been to emulate the Second World War. Mm. So they want that moment where they're standing on the ruins of a liberated country and people come up and thank them and name their child Tony Blair. <laughs> they do. They, they want that. And only Blair really got that. I can't yeah. think of... Uh, maybe um, Thatcher got it, I suppose, actually, with the Falklands. Um, it's, the, it's, it's the matching up because of how declined Britain is as a, mm. as a major world power, having that rehearsal, that re-rehearsal of that, that Churchill moment yeah. at the peace conference, you know, I just, is, is, is way too powerful a siren call for them to resist. Mm. Way too powerful. But of course, like that doesn't also doesn't bear up with reality because there's going to be no liberation at the end of Syria. Oh, no, the Syrian no. conflict no, is going to be going nowhere. It, well, I mean, even if Assad were to go, imagine if Assad just said, "I've had enough of this," and goes into exile. Yeah. And they have a new democratic government made up of everybody, assuming that different groups don't genocide each other, mm. or that the uh, the Saudi mercenaries mm. or jihadis don't, you know, start genociding various parts of the country again. Mm. Um, you're talking decades of rebuilding, and that's in a, a like a perfect situation where the war ends tomorrow also, with a peace treaty. How important you know? do they do people actually think Assad is? The man was an mm-hmm. orthodontist. <laughs> I know that I, You've got such a low opinion of Assad, but let me tell you who he's outlasted. <laughs> yeah. Bush, Obama. Because of the people Thatcher. around him. <laughs> Thatcher. <laughs> but no, do you know what I mean though? That he's yeah, just, no, he's I know, just a yeah. fucking he's not he's not the one who's planned all of this. Yeah, yeah. 
Or if he did, we've got to have some serious questions about what orthodontists learn in this country. <laughs> They're actually the most powerful uh, voting bloc. Well, it's just like, okay, we're going into the second semester of orthodontist school. Here we have Sun Tzu's The Art of War. Very <laughs> important text for orthodontists. <laughs> but like the, the kind of unedifying spectacle of watching May and Macron follow up Trump, mm. like fighting to be the best second place imperial power, <laughs> was a way I'd saw it described on Twitter, oh. is... Disgusting, And I mean, obviously, Macron seems to have way more kind of stomach for it because he's like in the flush of his first year, his mad first year. Trump listens to him because Macron is like, he's cool and young and French, but not cowardly French, bloodthirsty French, (laughs) but not in the kind of bloodthirsty French that we'd like, (laughs) in the kind of Louis XV kind of bloodthirsty French. Yeah, and like the, the kind of response of... A lot of the because even even before Iraq, I remember a lot of like British commentators would be like, uh, "Well, it needs to have uh, it needs to have international approval. Mm. It has to go to the UN. Otherwise, this will mean nothing." Yeah. And just like speaking of obstacles to say Brit- further British intervention in civil mm. wars, whatever around the world, not the Yemeni one though, mm. <laughs> um, to f- further liberal like intervention from the British state. The obstacles that were in place in 2002 were way more mm. than they are now. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything short of an actual moral case and general disarmament mm. will be able to settle this question at all. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? I love the, um, that recurring liberal thing of like international approval. Mm-hmm. Like You blow up a building, mm. everyone dies. You have this one 14-year-old bloke left. Yeah. This 14-year-old kid. Yeah. And he's lost everything. Mm. He's lost his home. He's lost his family, his friends. His home His home country is destroyed. His city is ruined. Mm. He is sad. He's broken. He's furious. Mm. But then they say that we got complete approval from everyone <laughs> in the UN. And he goes, well, that's okay then. There seems to, yeah. And then he joins the Lib Dems. <laughs> It's insane because that's literally the dream that yeah. then they form they form a liberal democrats in in Afghanistan. That's a that's a that's the but that's the thing about it, isn't it? It's yeah. a pure imperialist dehumanization mm. of other people. Mm-hmm. There's no appreciation of the political situation in Syria or any other country right. we're going to bomb. They're just oppressed people. Yeah. It fits in very very well with we, what we've talked about previously: the Generation X kind of mm. looking at oppressed people rather mm. than like people with agency, people mm. who have political ideals of their own. There's probably quite a few Assad supporters, I imagine, in Syria. So, what do you do about that? Mm. It's not as simple as glossing it over and say Assad is gassing Syrians, therefore, blah blah blah. blah. It's a very like imperialist attitude and thinking that's frankly is bred into all of us. Yeah. We are always taught that we are the ones in charge. It is our decisions that matter Mm. in this, and they are the only decisions that matter. You know, like, you can't imagine, like, by that logic, the whole thing with Jeremy Corbyn and nuclear weapons. Mm. You think about the attitude of all the gammon men when Mm. Corbyn said he wasn't going to use nuclear weapons, right? If Theresa May came out and made a very strong statement, for instance, about... uh, that she has nukes and she's not afraid to use them, Hmm. which is what they were pushing for, Hmm. right? By interventionist logic, that would allow us to be um, legitimately invaded by Russia. Hmm. Is there there any even inkling of a thought that that could be 
Mm. What would happen? No, because no. we have this imperialist thought bred into us and it's never been bred out. There is no England without that militaristic response. That's, that's everything that's conditioned about Britain. Mm. conditioned into us about Britain like mm. that we are the ones with the military we are the ones who have to go around the world and do these things it wouldn't occur to anybody from another country like I you wouldn't get this in Belgium actually you would in Belgium you probably would in Belgium maybe not in Holland <laughs> I, you wouldn't get it in Sweden they're just um, yeah it's so yeah, um, you know I know what you mean yeah it's just it it fucking it, it, it just fucking kills me like mm. If I had any sort of sense of Britishness mm. or feeling British, I would yeah. be ashamed. Yeah. But I have no... I feel like I, I've, I, for most of my life, I have no connection to this fucking country. <laughs> despite being born and raised here. Because it's so shit and horrible. <laughs> no, like like I say, like the the primary... that you ha- It's not going to happen overnight mm. because of these attitudes that have been bred into us ever since the, the end of the empire and, and before. The primary case against intervention has to be moral. It mm. is that not only do we not have the ability to change regimes, we do not have the right. Mm. Mm. Um, some- and it can't be. It can't have any other things to do with it. It can't be because it's. It would be good for us, I think, and it would be good for the world. But I don't think that can be the primary reason. No. It's just that it is a moral wrong in itself. Yeah. Like they will always overcome any any of the other kind of obstacles that they put in front of you. Yeah. You know, war, war's on the menu and they are starving. And it's why we need to stop this. Um, people like Paul Mason need to be fucking shoved well away because yeah. people like him who've been carrying water for this, for mm-hmm. specifically this kind of shit mm-hmm. for years now and now they're going to try and pull back a bit and say, well, yeah. no, we shouldn't do this. He really. did, didn't he, over, Syria, yeah. over the partic- this particular bombing? Yeah, so f- yeah. fuck off. Fucking World War Paul. Hmm. Okay, should we go on yeah. something funny other? Ridiculous. Yeah, so to end up today, um, let me... Int- uh, I'll introduce it. Hold on. Um, so there was a YouGov poll that was brought to our attention earlier in the week. Um, it was uh, Britain's perception of how fictional characters would vote in the EU referendum. Yeah. And a whole list of Britain's favourite uh, fictional characters, ranging from Geraldine Granger from The Vicar of Dibley, who was the most Remain... Uh, Sir Humphrey Appleby, Mary Poppins, Fireman Sam, Doctor Who, all Remainers. Fireman uh, Sam would... I, I think it's when this came out, I told you Fireman Sam would not have been Remainers. I've got many problems with this list. Fireman Sam... Um, Fireman Sam's Welsh. And Wales vote to leave. Fireman um, Sam... Fireman Sam would be the kind of person complaining about migration when there is no one in that town. There is yeah, no- yes there is. Italian woman owns the cafe. <laughs> And so yeah, Just, that, yeah, and and she shortchanged him. But there's one, so and he got to know her. So actually, maybe maybe the town he's in voted leave. What's it? Uh, Ponty Pandy is that is the it? name? I, I think it's called Ponty Pandy. I'm reaching back here, but re- oh, yeah, I'd go. It's a very long yeah. time ago for me to watch. Because <laughs> that would have been what I was watching. Nearly thirty four people <laughs> when I was watching it in Welsh. <laughs> you watch it in Welsh? That's awesome. Well, yeah, because uh, yeah, because it's a yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so the ones on the leave list were Ali G, minus two, was only on the cusp of voting leave, which is a weird one. Um, other on the oh, leave side contrary. included like Alan Partridge, Groundskeeper Willie. Groundskeeper Hi- Willie can't vote here because he's not a British citizen, he's an American. Uh, he might be... Uh, no, no, wait, no. Nah, oh. he's an illegal immigrant. Because do oh, you remember he? the episode where um, they're voting on a, 
uh, they complain about the high taxes, mm. and the mayor says we're going to vote uh, on a proposition forty-two. And at the end, Willie is the only one on the boat. <laughs> yeah, being sent back to Scotland. Boom! Illegal immigrant. Hyacinth <laughs> um, <laughs> Bouquet, uh, Captain Mannering, Dale Boy, and Jim Royal was the most Brexit yeah, on that list. Be. That's not all of them, but uh, he would be. Yeah. Uh, Mary Mary Poppins wouldn't be Remain. Mary Poppins would 100% not be Remain. First off, I'm not sure how how likely you're allowed to get a voting card when you're like a weird spirit. Do they think she's Remain just because she flies flies a lot? Because she smiles. Because it would no. Because presumably the people who because <laughs> she's always going on holiday. No, yeah, no. Because yeah, because the um, liberal remainers, their first port of call is literally their first port on the cruise that they're taking. <laughs> um, so Mary Poppins, she flies a lot. Therefore, she's been to other countries. Therefore, she would be remain. The thing, the thing is with this list is it's they're all very old characters. They are because yes. you go like a lot of polling skews old. Because yes, yeah. who else is at home when they phone, and who else does? Who else has a landline? Um, <laughs> they're so not. I, they're, I don't think they're particular like archetypes either. Like Geraldine Granger being the most, like the Vicar of Dibley being the most Remain. Mm. I don't think. I think she might be Remain. Again, yeah. Dibley itself would not be no, anywhere near as Remain, but I don't think she'd be I, as Remain. She's no, at the think, top of the list here. No, she'd be a proper full-blown fubby Lib Dem in the because it's like in the southwest. It's like a countryside mm. little village, and they're always like sneering at her for her crazy attitudes. She's a woman priest. She's going to be a Lib Dem. Hmm. She is. But the thing Maybe, is, all yeah. of these like. Well, the problem I had with this is they're all older characters. They're all characters from old people TV shows, really. Yeah. yeah. So I've got some better characters for okay. us to discuss. Um, Goku. Goku's not British. No. Neither's Mary He's a Saiyan. Poppins. Yes, she is. Oh, you say that just because he was, wasn't born here? He wasn't born on this planet. <laughs> yeah, but then he came in. What I'm saying is, Capital City social services are stretched as it is. And then you've got these people with their tails coming in here, turning into monkeys in the middle of a full moon and wrecking this shit. I know we can grow new hospitals from a single capsule, but there's a limit. Okay, fine. Goku's out. Goku's way out. He's a Saiyan, man. Okay, next one. Keith from Marin and Jeff. Ooh. Now, Keith, I've very. Ah, oh, okay. You've seen. I've seen Marion Drift once, so I don't know the character. You have watched. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, um, he's the narrator. He's a taxi driver who's constantly driving down to see his kids that. Yeah. He lost custody of, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they live in London. He lives in Wales. Uh-huh. He drives down and he's very sad. Marion and Jeff is Marion and Jeff, her new man. Yes. I think. He would be full-blown Romaniac fubpy to the point of stalking young women on Twitter. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting, because he's the kind of person you think, in in a way, if you think of a poll between liberal and conservative, Mm. I don't think Brexit maps onto that exactly. And people who you would think are actually acting very conservative use Brexit and remaining generally as a route into kind of like liberal mm. liberal politics if you mm. know what I mean as as degraded as it is mm. yeah no I can see that I think and also, I agree also there'd be a root cause a root fear 
that Marin and Jeff are going to take his kids to Spain. And he wants to be able to easily get to see them. Ooh, Even though they don't care yes. about seeing him. Are they more, so, are they more successful oh, God, yeah, he's, than him? He's just a, a taxi driver, right? Yeah, he's a taxi driver from Cardiff. Right. Um, it's based on um, Rob Brydon's experience of doing that drive. Yes. It's why, like, me and my dad got quite into it, because that's pretty much what my, who was like for me and my dad. Yeah. Um, but, what was I saying? Uh, he would be full Remain. Yeah. He's not very well off. Um, Marin and Jeff, mm. like, there is talks of, like, their nice house and their nice party that he has to sit around outside waiting. Um, mm. But yeah, he'd be full on yeah. psycho, scary Remain. Like, really mad at Jeremy Corbyn. Turning Remain. up in every time Jeremy Corbyn posts something on Twitter, there would be, but what about Brexit? Hmm. That's what he'd be. Yeah. He'd be like full blown scary remain. But then um other ones and you're gonna argue with me now. Okay. What about Bowser? Hmm, Bowser. <sighs> and you're not gonna say like oh no, he's a sailor. I n- Well yeah, he's well, a lizard. He's a co- he's a Cooper. <laughs> yeah. I, he's not it's not He's the I, king of the Coopers. Maybe he can't vote like the Queen can't vote. Yeah, but he's he's like the king in exile, really, isn't he? Yeah. He wants to take over. He's like that Polish kingdom. aristocrat who lives in South London. Hmm. He is trying... You reckon he would be Brexit, yeah? Bowser would be Brexit. Well, again, I think he might be Remain, because it gives him more free reign to travel with the princess. <laughs> but he's kidnapped. <laughs> or maybe he uses it to make her like him. Hmm. Like, you know, I'm not such a bad guy, I voted Remain. Yeah, I can't be a racist. I can't be a racist. Bowser, I don't think, is a racist anyway. He's very accepting. I mean, he has Goombas, he has, like, Cooper Troopers. He's always attacking that poor Italian. Um, yeah, he's attacking one Italian, you know. It's like everybody... But he's the only Italian! <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. He was not invited. He's not British! Well, again... Okay, he can't... He wouldn't be able to vote. Because I don't like British people. Um, what about Robotnik? <laughs> And you can't say that he's not British because of your anti-Semitism. <laughs> Just because Robotnik's Jewish, he can't be British. But he's not, again, he's not British. Robotnik? Yeah, he lives in the Green Hill Zone before <laughs> Sonic comes and messes everything up. Fine. You're just going to say this to all of my amazing ideas. I'm going to say this to all of your amazing non-British ideas. Where the point <laughs> they're meant to be British fictional characters. I can't um, think of any good British fictional Robot- characters. Robotnik, and also like, let's see, okay, he can... Okay, Sauron. Sauron. Sauron's a ah, British character. Sauron can be a Sauron, British character, yes. Sauron, again, yes. full remain. Full remain. Because he has a multicultural army. Hmm. He's not like those brexit elves. Hmm. And we talked about this. Elves are naturally Brexit. Uh, yeah, elves, elves are Going Brexit. Going off to the west, that's just white flight. Yeah, I could see that, actually. They're annoyed at the grubby little hobbits. Yeah. They take one of the good ones. Yeah. Hobbits, again, would be Brexit. Oh, full um, Sauron, I think, would still be Brexit. I mean, he takes his whole other king. He wants his whole uh, other kingdom and monarchy. He wants strong borders, is what I'm you, saying. Uh, do you think? Well, no, he doesn't. He wants to open up the gates and go and extend them. No, he doesn't want to open up the gates until he's ready. Yeah. He wants the best and the brightest. He's he's uh, Easterlings. He's saying he's like the to come into Mordor. <laughs> he's he's like to bolster his runs, army. He's like the bloke who runs Weatherspoons. I'm saying he's exactly the same thing, and maybe the same person in my head now forever. <laughs> One single eye, one face that's constantly getting smaller. <laughs> what about Harry? What about Gandalf? Because I think um, Gandalf's opinion would have changed. Gandalf's remain again. He travels a surface level cosmopolitan elite 
who travels from town to town. He's in town a lot for business at conventions. <laughs> so he thinks he's got a real reads kind the monocle. of... Yeah, he reads the monocle. He's got a proper... Actually, I don't think he's like higher up, high up enough the socio-economic um, pecking order to read the monocle. Not when he's kind of the grey. When he's kind of the white. He reads a lot of time out. <laughs> you know, he gets free. <laughs> Fine, name me another British so, like, British character. There was a, there was still a couple of ones on this list that I'm furious about, right? Okay. My main one... See, it's your problem that Mega Man isn't fucking British. Uh, Mega Man isn't British, Dr. Light is. And again, Dr. Light is, is Brexit, because... And you're exposing my l- complete lack of knowledge of Mega Man law here. Disgusting. Um, <laughs> Disgusting. No, my main problem with this list, right? Okay. Um, Arthur Dent, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they put as plus seven remain, right? He would oh, be God, way no. higher than that. Definitely. Arthur Dent occupies a certain, and, and Douglas Adams generally, yeah. that strand and type of British writer, yeah. occupies a very specific place in the British liberal imagination. Mm. It's part of canon. Mm. Pro When he was alive, pro-tech, pro... Um, uh, anti-religion, like massive militant atheist, mm. proper Dawkinsy guy, um, science guy, like r- like rational rational guy. Mm. Um, he'd be way further remain. He's about um, he's somewhere near the bottom of the remain list, which means he's somewhere in the middle mm. between Brexit and remain. Yeah. And like Douglas Adams, if he was alive today, would be the most insufferable person That'd on Twitter. Be terrible. He would might outdo AC Grayling. Mm. Oh, you know. I don't know. I don't know, that's like a weaponized level of annoyance. Yeah, I think he would be just as bad. I mean, imagine, like, he was mainly a sci-fi author. Mm. Imagine a more sci-fi version of Martin Amis, someone like that. You know, like, canon authors. Mm. The worst people in the world. (laughs) British canon authors. Like, shit on my shoe. (laughs) Fucking Ian McEwan, Martin Amis... Uh, Salman Rushdie, fucking Hitch, the Hitch. Both Hitch. Um, to be perfectly honest, both Hitchens. Don't be fooled by Peter Hitchens' anti-war thing. It's useful for now, but don't fucking trust him. Well, He's no one a fucking fash. No one trusts Peter yeah. Hitchens. <laughs> Good. I hope they. I hope they don't. I hope they. As I've seen a lot of signal boosting from him every time he does an anti-war thing because he's literally the only anti-war conservative they can find yeah. with a column. Yeah. And they're putting him out there and it's like, no, he's not your fucking friend. He's not your ally. Mm-hmm. I know we've had some fun saying Peter Hitchens is better than like uh, better, John, better than John Woodcock and better, better, than, his, than, better than his brother. And he's he, still better than all those people. He's not a good person. Oh, God, no. That's what I'm saying. No, you don't That's have to be I'm a good saying. person to be better than John Woodcock. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of soap character. <laughs> this is quite telling, actually, about the, mm. the whole, the, the Yougov poll. A lot of soap characters on the uh, on the Brexit side. You've got Pat Butcher. Um, I don't think Pat Butcher would have been Brexit. Uh, Tracy Barlow from Coronation Street. Uh, Hyacinth Bouquet. I know it's a sitcom and everything. Del Boy. Very particular view a lot of people have about the class composition of the Brexit vote. It's kind of funny that um, Figgy, what's his name? The one conservative comedian, Jeff Norcott. Yeah was saying like a while ago that there needs to be a a conservative a British conservative comedy show mm-hmm. like um sitcom yeah um because it would do so well like Roseanne has in America <laughs> um but we already have them. they all are yeah what does he think Moran 
Does he think Miranda is like too liberal? Like the daughter of an admiral? Well, I mean, Miranda certainly skates between um, oh, liberal, conservative. It's a it's a very kind of trope defined comedy. Mm. But like the number one thing that you point to is the one comedy that everybody loves, which is Only Fools and Horses, mm-hmm. which is super fucking conservative, especially later on in its run. Mm. It becomes properly Thatcherite. Mm. And you're laughing at Del Boy because he goes, in the 80s, he gets into all the Gordon Gecko stuff, mm. the greed is good thing, and you are laughing at him. Mm. But they still have a lot of stuff about like how terrible it is to live on a council estate and how there's muggings everywhere and mm. how the police need to... The police are all right, really. Mm. They need to just crack down on the really bad people, not the guy who's you know selling suntan lotion that poisons people or something you know yeah or literal chemical weapons at one point uh do you remember he's got the episode with the blow he's he's got blow up dolls and uh they're filled with um explosive chemicals because he (laughs) nicked them out the back of a lorry and he has to take them out to the river and let them blow up but that's not a bad that's you see that's not a bad thing because they're ultimately good people it's the really bad people it's the muggers that you need to crack down on really hard um might be something to do with you know people getting really rich off of uh only fools and horses and having suddenly a different perspective on things but yeah. i don't know i don't know all right is that That's us for this week yeah, for you. yeah so you can subscribe to us on itunes you can follow us at wdtatw underscore podcast you can follow me at bm burger mott and you can follow hugh at tanner smashing and that's us for this week. Cool. Thanks. Cheers.